Soy tu cupito marcano y están escuchando Fry on the Farm. Welcome to Friars on Farm Podcast, and just to my left is Roy. Hey, Padres baseball is back, for real. Is back. They're, and... they're finally wearing brown in actual regulation games. God. You know, and, and <clears throat> that we get to attend and see in person. And I did. I saw the Friday game, which was fantastic. I saw the Monday game, which broke my heart. Um, so you're one for one. You're one I'm, and one uh, at 500 on the I'm season. 500, kind of like the Padres. Yeah, I'm bit. one and two. I have a losing record so far. Unfortunately, I was there Friday, Sunday, and Wednesday. I saw them lose to the Giants in that game. With I feel bad for Jorge Mateo. Yeah, that would have been one heck of a catch if he yeah. would have come down with that ball. Tommy Pham doesn't even get to it. I don't think no. going back like that, and it's just unfortunate. Look, it clanks off the thumb of his glove, and now he's the goat for the game. I, I, uh, I, I that that rests bad with me because he's like the third string center fielder. Fourth string, whatever. And it's he's too bad he was in the position. No, no, he's been good this and year. And he's been really good this year. And I think that's another, you know, with the same thing with Jerks and Porfar. Through his whole career, as brief as it is, not that much. Mm-hmm. Last year blew up. This year seems to be, you know, it's the batch are a little cold right now. But really last year just kind of put it on. Jorge Mateo comes in. I think he got a double, like his first at bat, which just scored a run. Like, Preller picks these guys. Uh, for the talent that they have. I and guess it's good that we had some patience to stick with him because I know a lot of people are just like, cut this guy, he sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I have put so much expectation on this team. Like, even even like a like a cold strike down the middle, I'm like, ah, oh, why didn't you hit that? Like, I have to really pare it back down. Like, we do. Seven games into we the do. season. Um, I, I love Blake Snell's just, you know, what do you think about Moteo dropping the, the ball? Well... I shouldn't have let it get hit. Like he, like, he took responsibilities. Right. Like it's right. my fault. He had to catch that ball. Well, before we get too deep in this, uh, today we're going to talk about um, the most recent trade. It was a minor trade, yeah. and kind of the first week of Padres Friends baseball. Of the and then we're going to kick it to an interview with Tin Caps President Mike Nutter. One of the best interviews I think that we've done. It was. And it's credit to him because oh we're not that good at interviewers. He's a fantastic subject, uh, really interesting guy. He's very candid with us. It was like, hi, Mike. Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. And he has some great stories in there, some really good information. We talk about what's going on in Fort Wayne. We talk about what's going on with the team. We talk about the coaching staff. It's Some real changes fun. around minor league baseball and COVID affecting everything. Yeah, and, absolutely. And how they've worked with the community. It's really good conversation. But what I don't have on here... Huh. Is friend of the podcast, Tucapita Marcano. Yes. Got his first major league hit. Yes, he did. You oh know? my gosh. I was so happy for him. And he knew it right off the yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. He was pumping his fist going down the line. Uh so uh Padre's no hitter, Jeff Sarwin, pointed out to me that there was a little Tony Gwynn in that swing. How yeah. his kind of his butt was going one way, the bat was going the other, and then he stayed down with that little follow-through. It kind of did look like an old-school Tony Gwynn swing. A little bit, a little bit off uh, out front, kept his hands back. Um, he's had several pinch hits, and I think he's, you know he looks great. For as young as he is, for as little experience as he is in the minors, he looks great. Um, we'll see what happens when the roster starts coming in, when, when Grissom shows up this weekend. Um, his first at-bat, he ran it to a full count. And took ball four yeah. on a pitch just off the plate. Yeah. For your first major league at bat, the guy's got ice water in his veins. Yeah, absolutely. And he acts like he belongs. In that. What I love For about sure. that hit was the picture that um, the Padres photographer took. 
and you see it like you see him pumping the fist and he's smiling, his head's down. Just we couldn't be happy for the guy. Right. Um, yeah. I, so we're talking to Mike Nutter, Tin Caps, yeah. and so Angela and I were there in 2019 as we discussed uh, in our conversation. And one of the guys that impressed me was Tukubita because he's not the biggest guy on the field. No. He's not the fastest guy on the field, but man, the guy was locked in all the time. He's got to be one of the most competitive guys on, on any field that he's on. So he was always just like lock, keyed into the game, thinking about you know, what's going to happen next. You know, they talk about pregame you know, preparation or pre-play yeah. preparation. Know if the ball's hit ahead of me, behind me. But he was really watching all the things. Like You see how Tatis base runs, and he'll watch which way uh, a fielder's shoulders are pointing. And that tells him whether he's going to go or not. And Tukupita, I think he looks at a lot of the same kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Big future for that kid. But let's move on because we have some sad news. A little bit. Uh, Darius Valdez, friend of the podcast, again, was traded. The Padres acquired James Norwood from the Cubs in exchange for Darius Valdez. Norwood, who has pitched 22 innings in the majors over the past three seasons, has been optioned to the Padres alternate site, which is now in Arizona. Right. Yeah, the alternate site's in Peoria. So it's kind of like extended spring training, I guess. Yeah. Because minor league spring training is also starting up. So now you're going to have all those guys back in one place, which really does make sense from a logistics standpoint. There you got all the training staff, all the coaching and everything like that. Um, the, the corresponding move, Javi Guerra was transferred to the 60-day IL. Uh, it's listed as an elbow injury. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard what that means, if they're right, going to try right. the platelet-rich plasma injection or if it means he's heading to... Tommy John surgery soon or anything like that. But I mean, I guess that's what happens when you throw hundred miles an hour all that often. And you don't, you haven't done it for very long. Right. So Darius Valdez, he's another guy that can touch hundred miles an yep. hour. He's six foot eight. He's slender man up there. He's got long arms and long limbs, but the control was always the issue. Yep. It makes me one remind me of, um, Tehran Guerrero. There was another guy that kind of had that same thing. And then Emmanuel Classe, who's now in the majors with the Texas Rangers, I think. Look at you pulling out the names. Yeah. Well, because he's another guy who can triple digits, um, but didn't know where it was going. Right. And that's kind of been where Darius Valdez has been. It's like, if you can never figure out how to command it, well, a lot of guys never really figure that out. So instead, they brought in James Norwood, who has some uh, major league experience. Yeah. Um, and he's he has minor league options, so yeah. they optioned him right away. Uh, so there's adding depth at the major league side, and you're getting rid of a little bit of prospect depth, um, where you're dealing with you're dealing from a position of depth. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and the the, the, ro- the bullpen is so stacked. Obviously, the rotation stacked. Like there was nowhere he was like, and he was a little bit farther away. He didn't have that great of a spring. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd been as high as Double A, but he didn't have a lot of experience in Double A. Yeah, I think California League was as high as really he'd spent any significant time. So. First week of Padres baseball, there's been a lot of good and a lot of bad. People seem to be focusing on the bad. There is a winning record. Um, What I find promising is that uh, Manny Machado hasn't been hitting well. Fernando Tatis hasn't been hitting well, and now he's injured. But the Padres have still been scoring runs. So it reminds me of last year. It always seemed like there was somebody else. When somebody would cool off, somebody else would get hot. Absolutely. And I saw on Twitter today that we have had the hardest uh, hardest hit balls, not most the highest uh, exit velocity mm-hmm. on all hit balls. So, yeah, I saw people were posting stuff about Tommy Pham, about his um, underlying metrics yeah. that suggested he's been unlucky. Yeah, that's the case with a lot of the guys. That was Jerickson Profar most of last year. It's like his expected batting average was way up here, and he's batting way down there. And then all of a sudden, it all evened out, and he had a great second half. Absolutely. Well, that's about it. Well, I mean, we could keep talking about Padres baseball all day, but we've got about 50 minutes to bring you with Mike Nutter right here. Oh, I 
nothing to the tin man that he didn't didn't already have and cause never was a reason for the well, we're here with Mike Nutter the president of the Fort Wayne tin caps Mike I've never met you before so it's the first time for me and you uh, seeing face to face but you know Roy pleasure to see you again you too, my man. Yeah, and we want Roy to come back because he was there for the biggest comeback in the history of Parkview Field. So uh, if we make a playoff run later this summer, we're going to fly both of you guys out to make sure I can get my second championship ring out of 30 years. Oh, let's do it. I would love to be there for that. Well, and real quick, I, back then, the there that minor league rule wasn't in effect, right? You didn't put this guy on second, did you, back then in 2019? No, definitely not. So, no, we well, or did we? Yeah, no, it was, 20 was the first time, and I remember when it happened, and I mean this respectfully, obviously I'm talking to you guys with a show like this, but I remember some of the GMs, and I'm a baseball lifer, I'm 48, and I've worked 30 seasons, and so I got going early, but some of the GMs, and then a lot of the radio broadcasters, and again, I'm friends with a lot of them, but you can't do this, the integrity of the game, and whose earned run is that, and who gets the loss, and it's like, you know what, guys, as a Padres affiliate in Indiana, we can't get pitchers the next day if we play 16 innings. It could be 75 and sunny, and both managers are looking at me going, can we get a rain out tonight, because we don't have any bullpen left. <laughs> That's true. I mean, so it makes it, so not to go off on a tangent right off the bat, yeah. it makes sense for minor league baseball. Yes. I don't love it for major league baseball. I feel like it's kind of forcing a, a set of outcomes. I'd rather just see the game end in a tie, maybe limit it at 12 innings, go three extra innings during the, using the current rules. And if it's still tied, call it, come back tomorrow and try again. And then the postseason, then you play until there's a winner. I agree. I actually thought they might go to the tie, like the Japanese. And then obviously like our hockey, you know, some of the other professional leagues that have done it, the Japanese baseball, I should clarify. And it's like, and they said, oh, you can't do that in American sports. But, you know, in the minors, to your point, we can't get players in as quickly. And then there's some people that just say, hey, the game's been great the last couple hours, but we want to see the fireworks and we want to run the bases. <laughs> they're, not, they're not hanging on their seat like we're all doing for those games at Petco right now. Right, right. Well, I've been there for some extra inning games at minor league ballparks that run 15, 16 innings. And you're looking up there at the clock. It's like, good Lord, I need to be at work in the morning. Good Lord, I was in the game on Friday. It was three hours and 53 minutes. And that was a nine-inning game. It's getting ridiculous. It's pretty long, you know. Well, hey, it looks like there's going to be fans in the stands this year. Uh, May 4th this year is Major League Baseball's opening. Uh, what's going to go on with uh, with getting fans in the stands over in Fort Wayne? Okay, great question. So as we sit here now, and I've learned this stuff changes quickly, and, and for about the first 10 months of this, it was never changing for the better. But here recently, it looks like things are good. So as we talk tonight, we are approved for just about 3,000 fans wow. to come in. So for the folks watching, the folks listening, you know, we've done as high as 9,500. In our case, it is not a percentage number. It's what can we get socially distanced in pod type seating. So we're comfortable with that number. Uh, And then to speak on our city and county specifically, the mask mandate just expired on April 6th for the statewide thing. The governor kind of kicked it to local boards of health. The local Board of Health said, uh, and again, not criticizing, just painting the picture, they said, well, we are not going to continue the mandate, but we really think everybody should wear one and should maintain distancing. 
uh, Major League Baseball has advised all minor league teams, at least to start the year, everybody is wearing a mask. And so that's how we're starting 3,000. But the city of Fort Wayne, the numbers are going well. You know, a surprise to some of us here in the heartland, how many people are getting the vaccine so quickly, yeah. which is a great thing, I think. I get my second one this Saturday. Um, so the Fort Wayne City, officially, unofficially, is really hoping right around July 1st, July 4th, we can do a open it up right. and go. Not quite as quick as <laughs> not quite as quick as Arlington, Texas, but maybe uh, maybe we'll be playing. I, I think in another month or two, we'll be in a couple months, we'll be playing in front of bigger crowds. And then I think this year we have a really good chance to play in front of full capacity. So, so how does that work here in California? They've got these colored tiers, and they're relating that to a percentage capacity. And you say that your capacity is controlled by the the distancing in the pods. So, as the numbers improve, are those distances going to decrease, or is it just like from a distancing to open up the floodgates? So far, uh, the the guidance that we've received is the latter. It's uh, either if it becomes through Dr. Fauci or if it becomes somebody here in our state that says, hey, distancing is is done. And in our league, in the state of Iowa, they, they have suspended the social distancing. They're not in our league, but you know, Omaha, Nebraska, a good friend of mine is a triple-A GM down there, over there. And Brad Taylor, our buddy with El Paso, you know, I don't think they have the the restrictions. And again, I'm not complaining. As a staff, we're comfortable if the 12 home games in May – our distance and masks okay. at the and we want to be safe and we want to be smart at the same time. If anybody would see our balance statement, if there's a way to safely, you know, expand on that, because I mean, as you guys know from your great stuff covering the miners and what you do in our case, specifically 80 to 90% of our revenues come in the five month season. Yeah. And obviously that number last year was, not zero, but not very good. And so we had to furlough a bunch of full-time people. I say with no arrogance, just like Brad's group out there in El Paso that Brad and Allen run out there. You know, the Padres have some of the better affiliate stadiums, but also some of the better success, you know, attendances and front offices by revenues. And we had to furlough everybody on staff from May 1st of last year till uh, this past March Oh my goodness. March 15th and then April 1st. And so not to be dramatic, but it really breaks your heart because you might have one of the best group salespeople in the country that's hit their sales number every year. And we're telling them that, but our owner that we work for owns us, the Chattanooga lookouts, the Columbia fireflies. And he took care of uh, everybody, whatever we could legally do without, you know, skirting unemployment rules and stuff. And so everybody that was with us before, has the opportunity to come back. We lost a handful to other industry, but we did not downsize. And I had to ask tough questions of Jason Fryer and just said, hey, are we? do we have a spot for everybody we had before? Yeah. And he said, absolutely, because they stuck with us. And in another year or two, when everything's back to quote-unquote normal, we're going to need those positions. And so I can't wait for May 4th. I absolutely cannot. I've been talking to – Anthony Contreras, I'm old enough where he was a player of mine at the right. Wizards. And now he's, <laughs> you know, he's promoted, but he's coming back and he's got to deal with me again with the new minor league level, levels of us being high A. And uh, Johnny Matthews, who's our hitting coach, who I absolutely love as a human being, 
And I've been hearing about Jimmy Jones for years, and yeah. we've never had the pleasure to work together or to meet. And so, uh, again, it's everybody's optimistic at the beginning of the year, but with all that our country has been through, we can't wait to get this thing going. Well, having visited there and getting to meet a lot of the people on your staff, I'm really glad to hear that a lot of those people are coming yes. back. Because from the broadcast crew, I, the people that do all of your data um, – presentations yeah. your sales staff the people the groundskeepers Swirly. i mean yeah Swirly, your man. Users, yeah you know, everybody that you have there is top notch and that was really what blew me away getting to, to tour the place so i'm glad that you're bringing back most of those fine people absolutely um i've heard of minor league teams that that were gonna play last year with maybe you know 40 45 and I'm, to be clear i'm not criticizing yeah. in their front office around 40 and you know this year that number is half of that Wow. And so, and, and I understand it because again, we've, we've prided ourselves on having a successful 12 year run and obviously paying our bills and doing all that kind of stuff. And we've had some of those tough conversations that I've had with other teams that didn't have quite the same success. And it's like, well, should we send them a check, but forget to sign it? And that'll buy us another couple of weeks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, it, it's tough. And so we do have a spot for everybody. And of course, my man Swirly is coming back because he's been here. I had him as a bat boy. I'm telling you, that guy's going to be a major league clubhouse guy. And when I text him once a year for tickets, he'll never reply. <laughs> well, and, and so let's talk about that for a minute. With uh, with the new structure of minor league baseball, with the new pay structure, he is now um, he's now a salaried employee. Yeah. That is correct, and there was talk for a while, and guys, you know me and the people listening, I just like to let the guard down and talk. Like, Fred Yulman and I have been together for like 20-some years now because Fred, who is a dear friend, loves the job he's in, and it's really a testament to him because... He's been there, he's been the primary... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that have come and gone. None of them got rid of him, none of them viewed him as a threat, you know, and that's not always the case, and so... He's loved by everybody. So when we first started and Todd Stevenson that runs spring training and then a lot of the minor league operations, I said, are you guys going to have a chance to bring your clubbies in as Padre employees full time? And they said, we're just not sure. The pandemic's hit us all. And and if there's a chance to do it, we'll do it. And we heard recently, totally understood and expected that they're not able to do that. So somebody like Swirly in our case, Sam Lewis, will become a – salaried tin caps employee and you know what guys it's time and i think every clubby in the padre system started in fort wayne so i might not be able to get myself to the big leagues with a job <laughs> i can get the clubbies all over and so those guys you know for the people that aren't around the game like you guys are they do so much and so to have these guys you know, I think we're hopefully a couple years away from them being year-round salary, health benefits, all those kinds of things. Because the day the, the days of unpaid internships and stuff like that, I mean, that's just not that that, that's not what our industry right. is. And so we are so excited to be high A, uh, you know, flip-flop with the Cal League. Uh, we were hearing all this stuff. I mean, to go back over the last year, the stuff we heard that never happened, the stuff we yeah. thought was gonna happen for sure there was a couple nights i went to bed going i'm afraid we're done as a padres affiliate you know i'm texting fred yuleman and sam ganey and these guys and it's like do you want me to send you a picture do you remember how nice parkview field is like we were with you guys when you 
you know, I think I can say this without sure. upsetting anybody. They weren't then what they are now. I mean, this collection of talent. Yeah. I mean, you guys see it. I mean, they've yeah. traded off a full roster's <clears throat> worth of talent over the last several years. The big league club is absolutely, you know, right there on the cusp, if not at the location. And the ranking is still so high in all of that yeah. stuff. I mean, it is absolutely awesome to be a Padres affiliate. Yeah, this past couple of years has been it's been kind of tough for for our podcast. We've seen a lot of friends of the podcast go, um, you know, and, and none means more to us than uh, Luis Patino and, yes. and, and Blake Hunt and, and uh, yes. two guys that were really friendly to the podcast. Blake always took the time to talk to us, and it was just like that guy. Wherever he goes, he'll be in baseball, much like yourself. He'll be in baseball for the rest of his life. I agree. You nailed two of my favorites, and I'm not just saying that. And the third one I put in over the last few years in the same vein, I don't know if he ever did your, was able to come on with you guys, but was Joey Cantillo. Oh, yeah, we had Joey. Who just, I mean, same deal. You're like, I mean, do you, Joey, have you ever had a bad day? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and maybe if I grew up in Hawaii and had that body and that God-given talent, but he's worked so hard. And I was actually born in Akron, Ohio, uh, and a lifelong Cleveland Indian fan, and I've gotten to so I've gotten to see my team lose in extra innings of Game Seven of the World Series twice. Oh. Uh, and, and when they cut that big deal with the Indians that time, you know, and I think it was him and who was the shortstop? Gabriel well, Arias. Yeah, Arias. Yeah, and I heard some stories, you know, when the Padres, you know, broke those guys the news, how emotional it was for the Padre front office people, but also the kids because it's. Cliche as it sounds, they've literally grown up in the organization, especially Gabe and Patino, and I love Hunt and you know those guys. I mean, that's that's a good group. And but to the for the rankings to still be in the top five yeah. and ten for affiliations, it's like what in the world? And then you know to live that stuff with Weathers, and I got to tell you because I'm a fan. And when they had Marcano for his debut the other day, and they misspelled it, and I'm not calling anybody out, but they misspelled it on the TV broadcast. So I intentionally tweeted it out with the incorrect spelling, and I had all these fans coming back at me, don't you know how to spell his name? (laughs) But when they flashed, you know, for Marcano, hey, here's the last time he played. Here's his Fort Wayne stats in 19, or Weathers, (laughs) you know, well, my man, Jesse, you know, Alger debuts Weathers, and it's like, yeah, his last outing was at uh, Four Winds Field in South Bend, Indiana for the Fort Wayne Pit Cap. <laughs> and he's like, this is a playoff game against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? You can't debut in the NLCS or whatever round that was at the time. You're like, that's just not possible. Yeah. I texted his dad during that game, and – and I'm not a name dropper. I've been blessed to work with a lot of guys and some you get closer to than others, just different parts of all of our lives. When I was younger, you know, I might, I might used to hang out with the guys a little more after the games, but I'm not doing much of that anymore. But I texted his dad during the game after Ryan was done. Like I know all the protocols, but I just texted him and we called him stormy. That's what he liked to be called. So stormy weathers for the dad. And I was like, stormy, man. (laughs) Congratulations. And sure enough, that night it was like, hey, nut, man, it's great hearing from you. I can't believe what we just saw. And I'm like, man, your 19-year-old kid is peering in at the umpire because he didn't get a call on the corner. And he never pitched in a game before that. It was just so so cool. It's so cliche. But so many of these guys that they have that have come up, 
they're just not scared in those spots. Yeah. I mean, Marcano hasn't played above low A ball. Yeah, Weathers he... hasn't played above low A ball. Yeah. I mean, we were hearing, you know, as a fan, not any inside info, but there for a while where it looked like, like, is this really going to happen for Abrams? Like, yeah. He yeah. played two or three games with us, and then he had that, you know, injury where they just shut him down because it was so late in the season. And I was telling, you know, John Nolan, our announcer that you guys know, like, hey, somebody's got to give me some numbers. Has a kid ever played in the big leagues that's played, like, three games in A-ball? You know what I mean? But the talent on these guys is – I told those guys last year, obviously nobody could travel. But I said, man, what I would give would have given – to be a fly on the wall at some of that alternate site of yeah. some of those workouts. Cause I was getting reports from some of my guys. Yeah. Weathers went three or four today and he was up to 98. And it's like, what in the world? I mean, yeah. he was great with us. Don't get me wrong, but it was like, well, he I, at low A, we would see him where they hadn't physically matured as much. And I mean, they were great. And obviously somebody like him was the national player of the year, but you guys know what I mean. I'll see some of the guys in spring training a few years later. And I'm like, is that the same guy? You know, because oh they're now 22 years old, yeah. and we had him at 19. I mean, the body's still going. It's wild. Yeah. Well, you know, the you heard about the story with uh, Ryan Weathers, right? How he was called up? With with the testing kits. So he, there was a they, they got the pile of kits, and he's standing there with A.J. Preller, and Preller's like, uh, do you know which one's the major league pile? Because you should pick from the major league pile. That's, oh, no. That's how he told him he was getting his call. By the way, you're going in in a tight game against the Dodgers. Right? Don't leave one to Bellinger middle end. Right, right. <laughs> so now you're going to get these guys coming to you, and they're going to have another year of seasoning. I mean, obviously this year we're coming off yeah. kind of a lost year of development, but still they're going to be a year older. Their body's a year more mature. Their, their baseball acumen is a little bit more mature. So you're going to get a higher level of play both from the tin cap side and from your visiting teams. We're excited about that. You know, um, actually this year's opening uh, homestand is the Tigers. And so I, I have no idea what the roster is going to be, but, you know, diehard baseball fans on our staff and in the area are already asking, yeah. you know, is Torkelson going to be on that team? You know, the number one overall pick. And they know their baseball around here. And it's like, I don't know, but we got a lot better shot at high A than we did at low A. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so you're exactly right. You know, the Padres have been very clear with, hey, this year's going to be different. I was naive enough to think when spring training started, like, hey, this is going to be cool. We'll probably get Marcano back. We'll see Abrams, you know. (laughs) But I underestimated that lost year and the kind of workouts that some of these guys were able to put in around the best of the best talent, you know, last year in 2020. And then Mm -hmm. from there, I think it'll probably be a full next year till we really see it. But the guys that have spent the full season ball, and even for us, like operationally, like stuff that the fans probably wouldn't care about. But hey, plan that more guys will have cars. Yeah, you know, more guys. You may or may not need to do the English classes. You know, and if you do, that's great. Again, we we, we love all that stuff. But things like that, because again, it's just another year. But the Padres test that, and we love it because every year we've had the youngest team in our league and the youngest team in a ball. And I think like the last two full seasons, every one of their affiliates, but maybe one was the youngest at every level. So everybody keeps telling me, Hey, they're going to be older and they're going to be more mature. And I'm like, well, maybe it'll just be more age appropriate. But I was sitting in our off our conference room one time with AJ Preller when he was kind enough to do a media thing with us. And, And one of the reporters said, you know, Hey, 
we have the youngest team here every year. One of our announcer calls them the teen caps instead of the tin cap, you know. <laughs> and, and AJ was like, hey, listen, you're paraphrasing, but obviously we do things a little differently than some, but we're just going to challenge and push guys. Yeah. And we just want them to embrace the competition. And so, you know, like our fans here, I think it's fair to say they didn't love back in 17 when Fernando went up with a couple weeks to go. Yeah. But we, we, we have open dialogue. And so it was like, Hey, would you rather have him gone up father's day when Guerrero jr. And Bichette went up from Lansing? No, we got the benefit of seeing this kid flourish right in front of our eyes. And, and, and the team still made it to the finals. And it was, we ran into a buzzsaw that year and we weren't going to win it with him. My point is, we have some young kids every year and, and we love it and the fans love it because the kids are just so into it. And they're not, you know, I spent three years in Nashville, Tennessee before coming here and we were AAA for the White Sox and the Pirates. And I don't mean this in any derogatory way because I love my time, especially in that city. But it's like they're a little jaded. Some of the guys can be a little jaded on at that level, yeah. especially back then where we weren't with the organization the way the Padres run things now with open communication and stuff yeah. like that. My point is a lot of times we get these guys and it's like, Hey, you need to go out there for Sunday autograph day. Okay. We'll go sign everything. Right. You know, and it's, <laughs> That's not always the case, but we're, we're so excited. Our fans. So we have the highest drawing minor league hockey team in the country is in Fort Wayne. And then we're the second highest drawing low a high a, you know, like that in the country out of 60 teams. And so the fans love their sports. We're in a crazy area where you could go down the street and it's Cubs dominant, but it's White Sox and Indians and Tigers and Reds. And I mean, like we're at 200 miles from every one of those cities I just mentioned. And so the fan base is huge. They have always beat us up because of the quality of the venue. Why aren't you double A? Yeah. Why aren't you triple A? Yeah. And we say, listen, we love our airport. We don't have the jet service for AAA. I mean, we just don't. That's not a criticism, but you can't be, I mean, you can't do it on the little commuter things. And so, and then AA, geographically, it never, it just didn't work. The Eastern League, but we're four hours from Erie or Akron, the closest ones. And so the fans were so excited with this. And as a staff, we heard we were going to be high A before it was confirmed that we were the Padres. So it was like, Okay, the high A thing is really, really cool, but man, you know what would make it even better is if we maintain that relationship, and and sure enough, we did. I joked with Fred Yulman at the end of the ten year contract, it'll be him and I, and all these other guys will have, will have moved on again. You're going to have a lot of familiar faces there this year, yeah. I'm thinking, because you mentioned the the alternate site, but there were only a few dozen guys that got a chance to participate in that. So a lot of the guys that you guys had in 2019 at low a, they were on their own for training and you know, they yeah. had some, some distance assistance from the organization, but guys like Juwan Harris, uh, Duane, um, Duane. I hope, oh, Sutton, William Sutton. Sutton. William I, Sutton. I, yeah. yeah. Justin man, I those, Yeah. I, those first two guys you named, man, I hope they come back. I absolutely loved those two and they were just a lot of fun. They embraced the community. The community embraced them. Their folks would come by for games. Like, those are guys, if somebody said, hey, you want those guys back in your outfield? It's like, hey, we'll take them today in early April if we can get those guys. <laughs> well, I know somebody yeah. you'd probably like to have back that you won't, and that's Lee Solomon. 
I know I saw. So Lee and I share a love for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ah, you're a Buckeyes fan. Yeah, I was born over there, and Lee's dad is big in that university. And um, when I saw that he retired, um, I I was not surprised. And, and again, I love this industry. But that guy, I don't know where he's going to be. I thought maybe he'd go into coaching. But a guy like that, I I think he had his LSAT, like his law degree and all that stuff. I mean, to talk to him – and then to talk to his father, I met his father actually with David Weathers and and uh, Ryan's agent is a former Braves and Reds pitcher, I think Kent Merker. Oh, okay. no kidding. Yeah, so I met him on opening day that year. Well, I met Lee's dad at the same time because it was like, you know, I knew who Weathers was as a kid. Yeah. And then when he introduced me to Merker, he was hilarious because I said, hey, it's nice to meet you. You know, I lived in Nashville and all people wanted to talk about was the – the Atlanta Braves, right. you know, and he's laughing. He goes, yeah, you remember that rotation, right? The four great guys and then me. Right. You know? <laughs> and obviously he had a great career himself. And so, but I went up in the suite. I'm a confident individual, not arrogant, but, you know, confident. I walked out of that suite after talking to Lee's dad for about 15 <laughs> minutes. And I thought, man, I got to start doing night classes right. or weekend right. classes right. because I couldn't hang with that. So I haven't heard what he's going to do. And as cliche as it is, he's going to have a heck of a lot of success yeah. in life away from this. And I hope our paths cross, in our case, at maybe a Ohio State game or if he ever comes back to town or something. Well, you know, we, we had him on a podcast, and we talked about baseball, obviously. Um, we just both got the sense, like, and he talked about it, like, after baseball. Like, like this was just a step in his life and career. Um, he did pass the LSAT. He's going to be a lawyer. Uh, he's going to be a fantastic lawyer. And he kind of talked about being a force in his community. So I think he's just not going to go have some practice. Yeah. I think he's really going to take it and, and use it for a force of good. If that can I happen. love what you just said because there's been guys, and I would never use a name, and I, I, I didn't get out of high school playing. You know what I mean? But these guys, <laughs> I've met guys before that maybe didn't, and again, no shot, but didn't have the awareness of somebody like Lee. We're openly talking about post on the field career. There have been kids, I remember one back with the Wizards. Again, I would never want to embarrass anybody or use a name, but he was probably the the 25th guy. But what people don't understand is obviously beat 99.99% of yeah. the odds to get to pro ball in a full season A. And I tried to have that conversation a couple times, not intentionally, but like it would come up, like he'd ask me, how long have you been in this? And then so I'll say stuff like, have you ever thought about what you're going to do post-career? Now, that might be when you're 35 and you had right. a good big league career, and it's like, as soon as I acknowledge that, you know, I'll have an excuse not to get there. And it's just like, man, these guys – no, I respect that, but, I wow. mean, they're just driven <laughs> on a different level. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, you're only playing a couple days a week for the Wizards. <laughs> you know, like not – yeah, like, no, right. It's reality is almost fifty now. You know, you if you have an opportunity to mentor or lead, it's not for me to talk about their skills on the field, but just to see that. And so many of them didn't have that stuff like Lee, where it's yeah. like, hey, I'm looking at other stuff, and it doesn't surprise me when you yeah. say impact in the community. That's no question. Absolutely. So, so a new new league, a new realignment. Uh, what's travel going to look like? Are you guys going to be flying anywhere We're, soon? We're going to be, we will all be bust. We probably had the best travel in what was called the Midwest League before us and South Bend. 
They picked us to stay in the Eastern Division, which we like. South Bend got moved to the West just because their proximity to the highway that they can get over to Iowa and Illinois. The travel will be absolutely awesome. And we like this new, uh, you know, playing Tuesday through Sunday and Monday's a day off all throughout the minor leagues. I joke before that I'm not getting any younger, and so if it's a day off for us, you know, during the homestand as well, we have two instances, I think, where we play six, day off at home, and then right back to six at home. I mean, 12 out of 13, you know, with 15, 16-hour days, I'm going to have to start doing some, you know, some, what do they call it for football, like the preseason camp combine or camp work. Yeah, two days. I work – yeah, I work two a days. I work from nine to five now, guys, and I walk out there like I ran a marathon because my body's not used to it after all that stuff. But we're excited. So the Midwest League went from 16 teams to 12. Unfortunately, we lost three to contraction. And then one, uh, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, nice stadium built the same year as ours. They've had a lot of that big league talent go through there, including our guy Blake Snell. Uh, they they kept their team, but they just got moved to a different league. So our travel is unbelievable. And it's the Sunday getaway days, I think, of our 10 road trips. All of them but one are at 1 or 2 in the afternoon. So, I mean, Major League Baseball has done some stuff with wellness. They've done a great job with a lot of stuff. It's It's been tough on us as an operator, not in anything negative against them, but combining the COVID year into the new MLB agreement yeah. where none of us have a lot of disposable income. Again, everybody can tell with my tone and my words, I'm not being critical. I'm not knocking anybody. I, I don't want to get fined and I'd like to keep my job, but like it's, they, they set out and, 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 you know, again, at first it was like, why do you have to get rid of all these teams? Is that the way we're going to pay guys more? Like, can't yeah. we just pay them more without <laughs> losing a team? Again, not my fight to have, but, and they came out and they said, we're going to do a lot with wellness. And so a lot of the hotels have been improved. There's a lot of stuff going on that I think will really help. Again, for us, as we sit here now, you know, we hope the players get vaccinated at a high level. I don't yeah. mean that in a political way. I mean it in a baseball ballpark operation yeah. way. As we sit here now, a road trip. Uh, the last time we played a full season in 2019, our bus expense to us would have been about $70,000 for one bus. As we sit here now, uh, the, as we talk today, it's three buses for the road trip so yeah. that the guys can all be socially distanced. Like, I get it. So I'm not picking a fight with anybody, but you're like, hey, that one line item is going from 70000 to two hundred. Yeah, We're not exactly – flush with cash right, right. right now. <laughs> but again in the same breath i want everybody to hear i'm not picking fights like we get it it's just it's a lot at once i i do wish and this is not a critique or a criticism i wish the teams that lost the cities that lost their team yeah. in our case kane county where i started my career up near chicago burlington clinton it would have been cool if it didn't work this way, but if they could have had one last year for a swan song, right. you know, Clinton right. had a minor league affiliated team for something like 90 years, you know, yeah. it's a lumberjacks, again, right? It's a lum lumber Kings, lumber Kings. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but their list, when they've been around that long, it's like, yeah, Jim Leland was a player here, a manager, like a lot of hall of fame. The Burlington team had, Oh man. I mean, tons of hall of famers, Robin Yow, I think, 
uh, Paul Molitor, you know, the young kids listening are like, who are those guys right. this old guy is talking about? <laughs> uh, but it's just really cool. I wish it could have gone that way. But MLB came through, and they told all those teams, hey, you're going to be in the, the in the family. So those teams are in the one baseball or the baseball one umbrella. They're playing college wood bat or independent. So it's cool because those communities, especially in Kane County's case, a lot of us were surprised because they've drawn over 400,000. 10 or 15 times. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And they kind of, in the, in the musical chairs, they were left out, you know, without the chair. And maybe that changes, you know, going forward. I hope it does for a lot of these cities. Yeah. I, in 2019, my wife and I, my, so I have family about an hour and a half West of Nashville over in okay. McKenzie and Paris. Uh, yeah. So, so I've been cool. to the old stadium and I've been to the yeah. new stadium. Yeah, I've been to both and I had the joy and pleasure of working in the old one. And I learned, in historic Greer Stadium, that anytime anybody uses the word historic, I just found that to be a euphemism for it's a joke. <laughs> oh, well, I saw Rick Ankill play when yeah. he was coming back. He was turning. He was. He went from a pitcher into a player. So he was playing for the Cardinals uh, that game, and he was trying to, you know, he obviously being yeah. an outfielder. Um, so that's wild because I was in Nashville when he came up as the biggest phenom in a couple years yeah. as a pitcher. The first time when I was there, 97, 8, and 9. Yeah, that's cool. Have you read his book? I have not. I, God, what's the name of the book? It, it's it's not, it's, I think it's called Phenom, but he talks about, you know, the, the thing. I think. Uh, I still remember that playoff game. Yeah. I was watching it at a local restaurant where we jumped out. You know, our season would have been over if it was the big league playoffs and just, hey, let's go grab some wings or burgers or whatever. And we were sitting there watching it. And I don't remember that it was me or who it was, but somebody's like, man, I hope, I hope this isn't a long-term thing. And we've all seen it. Yeah. I mean, I remember I, we could all use names with Sachs and right. Mackie Sasser and guys, and it just breaks <laughs> your heart because they were so good. He was so good. But then to come back and do what he did as a hitter, you're yeah. like, it was like <laughs> Otani before. You know, right, like, right. Who can do that? And you come back and hit 20 or 30 jacks or whatever he did in the big leagues. It's like, in the, why didn't the good Lord spread that talent around between a bunch of different people? <laughs> so, so with the new agreement uh, and the partnership with the Padres, was there anything that you had to improve, or is there any of a part of? Is Swirly going to have to cook anymore? Are you going to have a chef, or how's that going to work? Yeah. So, great question. So, this year, we only can really speak on COVID like this year, not because we don't want to. On the other, the other stuff's kind of a work in progress. So, you know, we've always done like awesome. Swirly's always done the pregame spread or our chef or cook would provide it for him, you know, with an agreement between us and the Padres. And that was great. And then after the game, either done by us or a third party caterer, like, I mean, a real, you know, really good above average meal. And now for this year, one of the rules in place is that they cannot eat any food indoors. And so, um, there's talk about staggering the clubhouse. So our roster is going to go from 25 to either 28 or 30. Yeah. So Cool. There's some talk of, hey, there'll be two or three waves in the clubhouse. So maybe there's only 10 guys in the clubhouse at any given time. You know, different things like that. So uh, I was just on the phone last night with Nick Coberly, our new trainer. Um, and so we're all – everybody's got a great mindset. We all just want to play. And yeah. so – Everybody's getting along. We're trying to figure out, like, hey, how do we find a covered eating area, you know, because of it's raining but no fans and there can't be any interaction. So there's a lot of new stuff going on. It'll all work out. 
And then, like, the really good meal after the game, from what we understand now, they cook the steaks and the, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and then hand it to them in a to-go box. Yeah. And they need to eat it back at the apartment. So, again, in talking to all my friends that are on the staff and other staffs with the Padres, it'll be a year unlike any other. But all the players and everybody, they just want to get back out yeah. there too. Yeah. They can't lose another year. Like Roy said before, yes, some of the guys went to the alternate site, but 150 or yeah. however many were left you know, go catch the whiskeys or yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you. So that, that, that comeback game that I happened to attend, I learned that uh, if the team had like 17 guys reach base, then the, everybody on the team got a gift certificate, like a $5 gift certificate to Applebee's. Was that something that AC came up with? Were they paying for that out of their own pocket? Was that a team thing? Was it a Padres thing? What was the deal? So we've always got the huge budget, like on an autograph day, for the players that go out there, which, again, like I said before, is usually all of them. Because uh, AC is so great, and the Padres really are great about the community and that kind of stuff. So we'll give them 10 bucks at Applebee's if they go out and sign autographs for a half hour, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then the Padres, a couple years ago, started stuff about, you know, a lot of this new metric stuff. And they had the track man in the ballpark before anybody had the track man and they're actually doing a major re I think I can say this I don't know if they'd mind if I did or not but I guess I'm halfway through the story so they're doing a major uh improvement and renovation in all of their minor league venues for this year the track man are all coming out track men is it plural are now all that, coming out now it's Hawkeye, <laughs> it's, right? uh, Hawkeye now and I mean it is an elaborate there's cameras all over that place. I got to make sure there's not a camera looking into my office. They put so many cameras around. Uh, but to answer your question, Roy, they were doing a lot with number of pitches seen and how many guys reach base and different things like that. And they were doing some stuff. A couple, maybe it was in eighteen. I don't know if it was in eighteen or nineteen. But whoever led them in some of these metrics, like each month, might get a couple hundred dollar pair of Oakleys and like stuff like that. So I mean, wow. there was. There was some stuff in it. It was really cool for me because I've seen it on all aspects. The off the field at the old ballpark when the game was over, I would bring a cardboard two-by-two two box with all the food that wasn't purchased at the concession stand and sat under one of those heat lamps for two hours, and the bun was as hard as this desk, and the guys would hit you with it. And now what the Padres do with the wellness the English as a second language. I mean, all this stuff, it, again, sounds good, but they care. And then on the baseball stuff, they have just been great with pitches seen and, and just different stuff. When I first started hearing about all these stats, I'm like, hey, man, it's average home runs and our time. And so the guys, the guys embrace it. And, you know, I've read stuff about Chris Paddock, the guy that pitched for us a while ago, and obviously in the Padres rotation, and I read something, you know, a few weeks into spring training where he embraced all the metrics and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's cool to see. I don't know how you teach on some of that stuff or how they do stuff, but it's really neat to see. So that explains the Applebee's. That came out of our promotional <laughs> well, I would no. never charge AC for anything. <laughs> After that game, uh, me and the wife wound up at Apple. We shut down the local Applebee's with, there you with go. Blake Hunt and Joey and Cantillo so they could use <laughs> yeah. their uh, gift certificates. Oh, that's so that's so funny. Um, 
Okay, so 2000, uh, 2020, you guys weren't able to host baseball. Um, I don't know if you hosted any like lower-level baseball at the ballpark, but I'm, I know you guys had a lot of community engagement going on. What were some of the things that the Tin Caps was able to do uh, while baseball was on hold? Great question. So we have a huge food bank in town, the Community Harvest Food Bank. They're, they're huge in our region, probably the biggest one in the state outside of Indy. And so, so we talked before about the baseball community hurting, but what about just the general community and the general population and people losing jobs? And, and again, people did a lot with unemployment, like everybody pieced it together. Um, but we held many food drives for them where they would have the vendors, but they needed the parking lot. They wanted our social media reach, you know, uh, we wanted to do what we could. And then, you know, we shut down. I remember talking to the staff. It was March 15th, 16th range of 2020. Like, this is how crazy it was at the time. Like, Hey, we're not, this was a Wednesday. We got to do some work today and tomorrow, but then we're not going to come in Monday. And I don't know how long that'll be. Maybe we'll be back in a few weeks or maybe it'll be a month. And fellas, I mean, it, and again, that was, I mean, naive uh, somebody might use the word dumb we just it was all happening so yeah. quickly we just we just didn't know and so those people were furloughed and, and that kind of thing and then we really got together in a couple weeks later and said what can we be doing and so one of the things it wasn't i mean it was a great community thing but it also was a money maker for us we got the idea from the round rock express the triple a team they were doing meal kits and so when all the restaurants closed in fort wayne like they did where you guys are and everywhere. Um, we had all these people that were out of work and we said, what, wait, what are they doing down there? And so long story short, it's like 175 bucks. We did food for five or six per- people in a family for five or six days. So you got the ballpark brisket and the taco meal and like all this kind of stuff with all the directions and all this stuff. So it allowed us to bring back our yeah. concession people yeah. and staff people and that kind of stuff. And so that actually generated, I mean, enough money to keep those people around for months uh, and things like that. And then people were reaching out to us with like, Hey, why haven't you done the ribs from the third base barbecue area? And, what about this? <laughs> and so we actually did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then we were involved with the red cross on, on blood drives because, you know, we were really trying to promote, um, if you've already had the virus, okay. they need it. You know, and a lot of people were like, well, what do they want my, you know, early? A lot of people know come of this stuff now, but it's like, well, they don't want my blood if I've already had it. And again, I'm no doctor, but it's like, no, they need it. Like they want it for the people that are really, really sick. And so we have, we've taken a few hits here lately. Um, not, not a lot, um, but some, because we've been pretty proactive with, suggesting people get vaccinated and again i love fort wayne indiana i met my wife here we have a sophomore and junior in high school the cost of living is great the schooling is awesome like it's it is great but you got everything in every political thing you know which is great which is great for our country i want to make that clear but we were not sure would a lot of people here take the opportunity to get vaccinated You know, would it just be, hey, we're not going to do that? And I don't get into politics and stuff, but people have been great overall. We have gotten some pushback here. I mean, today, I got a pretty strongly worded 
you know, hey, we've always been fans of the Tin Caps. We're never coming out again. If you want to know why, let me know. And it's like, well, of course I want to know why. You know, can I call you? What's your phone number? Well, what you guys did with the Atlanta All-Star game. And it's like, we we didn't do anything. The Padres didn't do anything. Like, you know, again, you you, but and so I talked with that gentleman through that. I just said, Hey, listen, this is well, what do you who do you vote for? And it's like, I'm not getting into that nonsense because it doesn't matter, you don't care. But I I said, and then he said, Well, forget the all star game. I'm not coming out if we have to wear a mask. Well, for right now, the mask mandate is in place by MLB, but we're not hiding behind them. If it wasn't in place by MLB, I believe that with the tin caps, we would have it for at least the month of May. We just feel like we're going to have a major gathering place. Again, nobody wants to put eight or 9,000 people in there more than me, our staff, our owners. I mean, that's what it is. But we also feel like we have, if you serve on these community boards and talk about your impact in the community, you want to also feel like you're, you're, you're walking the box. Yeah. You know? But people are pushing back a little bit with why do we have to wear a mask and why is there distancing and it's just time and it's like folks, it's bigger than us. Yeah. You know, it's just let's let's get there. If that's July first, awesome. If it's June first, awesome. If it's August first, maybe not awesome, but good. You know, like <laughs> we want to build towards something. Well, you yeah. know, and it's a good thing that that the season's starting a month late because I can I, I couldn't imagine going in for like an oh. outside meal. You know, in April. Yeah. No, you got no <laughs> shot about that. So I was asking a member with the Padres the other day. I said, hey, listen, I- I'm just going to tell it like it is. And they're like, oh, no. I said, no, no, I'm not going to fit. But if I'm in the covered group, you know, and getting tested a couple days a week, which I'm good with. I talked before, I'll be fully vaccinated this Saturday plus the two weeks or whatever to really be full or whatever. And I said, w- where are we at on Am I allowed to eat indoors with like my son's, you know, travel baseball team and that kind of stuff? And it's like, well, you might need to eat outdoors, and you know, and it's like, you, you, we couldn't have done it in April, man. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you, just, you couldn't have done it, and so it, it it's just wild. But I love hearing from Anthony Contreras and Nick Coberly and and Sam Ganey and all these guys, where it's just like, hey, man, these guys are ready to go. Yeah, I mean, these guys, whoever's on the roster this year, more than likely is the best player ever from their high school or their hometown or in some cases the college, maybe not at the SEC guys or some of the biggest you know guys yeah. or whatever. But regardless, they're great. And they missed a year too. Yeah, you, you know? you're going to see Robert Hassel, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. C.J. Uh, Abrams did start in high A just to kind of get his feet wet in, in the higher affiliated ball. Um, it, it's funny how Anthony Contreras, the way I see the Padres um, – system kind of the the levels of of their system with the manager so i always saw a uh, ac is like he's very he comes from a military family he he's he teaches these guys how to become a major you know a professional baseball player now he's gonna have these guys coming in and they're already kind of established a uh, a routine yeah. and a way to play ball so it's gonna be interesting to see what you know, and I don't know how we're ever going to find that out, but how we kind of how he brings his experience into a high A, although it's not much different. But you I, know what I, mean? I do know what you mean, and I've described him as the most disciplined guy I've ever met. Now, the only thing you can get him on is like that blue bunny or blue bell ice cream. I forget what <laughs> it is, 
But that guy's in there, you know, in a adult medium shirt, letting those players know who the strongest guy is in a tin cap <laughs> uniform. And uh, I won't use a name, but one of our pitchers who was great, and he'd laugh if I told his name, but I just don't want to get anybody in trouble. He used to look at AC and be like, well, the only reason you're that big is because you're not the same drug testing program as the player. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Clearly joking, obviously right. joking, but Anthony's just so disciplined in all aspects of his life. In case, unless you put that bluebell ice cream in front of him, <laughs> but so I think he is really excited about that, like the way you described it, because he played at all those levels. And when he was a double A or a triple A guy with the Giants, and they released him that time, when the Padres signed him, they said, "Hey, we'll sign you today. You're going to Fort Wayne, Indiana." And so when he, he left the Giants double or tri, I think triple A and came all the way back to low A with no ego, with no arrogance and worked his way back up till he was a Tucson Padre rooming with Anthony Rizzo yeah. and, you know, got close and got there in a lot of major league games. So my thing with AC, I agree with everything you used to describe him. I think he's looking forward to the opportunity of, again, this year's different, yeah. but one more year of experience and, you know, um, He's always run a really good clubhouse because he just doesn't have to babysit because he just shoots the guys straight. He doesn't have a million rules, but the ones he has, you're, you're going to follow and yeah. you're going to be held accountability. Accountability is so huge and, and he's so good. And um, I think for him, you know, speaking as his friend, but also a guy that just respects him and what he does in his career for him to get to go to big league camp this year in spring training, you know, he was there for the whole thing. And, you know, Snell is here one day and Darvish and all that kind of stuff. I mean, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So around the ballpark there, I'd, you've got hotels, you've got restaurants, you've got all this stuff. Uh, one of my favorite places that I hit there was Cindy's Diner. Uh, are you familiar with Cindy's Diner? And what's your favorite thing to order there? Oh, no, he went mute. Mute. <laughs> are you on mute? I hit some button. So, yes, I am. I had to Google it real quick. No, I'm in there about 10 times a year. Usually with my 17-year-old son, we both get an order of the garbage. Nice. And so uh, I'm the weird one. I think I switch out the ham for the sausage every time. But Cindy's Diner is the best. Uh, Jesse is the name of the radio broadcaster for the Lansing Lugnuts. He's a future major league broadcaster, in my humble opinion. Every time he's in town, he'll walk in. Nutter, I was at Cindy's today. I miss you down there. And I'm like, Jesse, I live here 365 right. days a year. I'm in there enough. You know? <laughs> and so it is just one of those, for the people you know listening to us, it's just one of those old school diners. Yeah. I mean, that literally, maybe even since you were here, maybe it was right before you came, they picked it up and moved it because the city was renovating and doing a massive project. And there was an uproar of like, you can do this, and that $100 million building is going to be great for economic development, but don't be messing with Sydney's right. diner. <laughs> well, it's not a big, it's not a big no. place. It looks like a, like a small railroad car to me, and it has like yeah. maybe eight spots to sit inside. That's it. It's a, it's a countertop. It's awesome, and they're, 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 I, I, yeah, it's eight or maybe it's 12, whatever the number is, and I think they have shirts now and stuff. You know, serving America breakfast, you know, 12 seats at a time or 12 people at a time. <laughs> but it is it is really good. If you guys can get back here again, even since you were here, 
and again, it's not a bragging thing, but the, the, the people credit what the ballpark did. So Fort Wayne, Indiana, second biggest city in the state behind Indianapolis. Um, the downtown was just really, it was just going away. It was safe. There just wasn't anything going on after Lincoln Financial and some of the big employers got out at night. There was a few things. I'm not, you know, downgrading what was going on, but there wasn't the the entertainment. There wasn't anything like that. And so even since you were here, Roy, they've done a whole nother district of incredible. And I'm a former Northern Californian, so I know a little bit about, you know, Asian food. There's an incredible Asian fusion restaurant that just opened another brewery with brick oven pizza, another brewery and barbecue, another Mexican place that might not be what you guys have, but I mean, I'm talking like upper scale, like nice. And so, and a lot of these people continue to talk about the ballpark. And just in the last month, we've had groups here from Knoxville, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee. There was a front page article in Knoxville within the last month. It had a picture of our ballpark and said, hey, in Knoxville, Tennessee, we're going to try and replicate Parkview Field and have the same economic impact. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Oh, my God. Well, Mike, we really appreciate it. It's a long time coming. We've had this podcast for a long time. And and, and it's so sad that it had to take, you know, a, a national, you know, a worldwide pandemic for us to have the time to get together and talk to you. We really appreciate the time. Um, enjoy the season. We'll see you on Twitter, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, maybe we'll have thank to hit you, you up yeah. again once the season starts up. Right. I would love that, and if there's even a way to do it, I don't know how it works, if we can do sometime on a Monday when the guys are off. Like, if we end up getting the access, maybe we could do something with AC and I or some, you know, like a behind-the-curtain. Yeah. But we've now been together six or eight years, and we still love and respect <laughs> one another. But if you guys, if you think we can help with anything – or to try and set up guys. You know how great John Nolan is on our staff. And you guys can get these guys on your own, but if we can help in any way, what you guys do for the Padres and and uh, Padres Twitter, as they call it, is absolutely <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys very much. All right, take care. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. No, I never did give nothing to the tin man That he didn't, didn't already have Cause never was the reason for the evening For the traffic of Sir Galahad